Welcome into this uh, special edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. Hi, everyone. I'm Jim Mitchell, and uh, we are back on the video side of things as we welcome in members of the Lavelle Law team to talk about uh, tax issues in particular as we start a three-part series focusing on the IRS uh, tax audits and issues related to that. Joining me for the series are Ted McGinn, the managing partner at LaBelle Law, and one of the shareholders, Tim Hughes, both who have been on a number of podcasts with us in the past. So, Ted, Tim, first of all, welcome to the series. This should be great fun. Glad to be here, Jim. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having us. Now, the reason we're doing this series, particularly on tax obligations, is there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, a lot of it fueled currently by the fact that there's going to be some additional funding for the IRS. We'll talk about that. Um, we always hear end of year and around tax time messages from tax relief services who may be somewhat dubious and we want to steer people in the right direction. And more and more, there are a lot of scams happening out there. A lot of people at risk with people saying that they're going to help them with taxes and, uh, or threatening them with tax concerns and, and then uh, really causing problems. We want to cover a lot of that and, and just address things that you should know. So let's, let's, start off with the IRS issue. Um, We hear that there's extra funding. People think that means more agents, more people are at risk for audits. What do we really know about what's happening with the IRS? Well, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, Jim, right now. I mean, obviously in the headlines over the last, you know, two or three months, additional budget uh, has been allocated and approved for the IRS, which means they're going to hire more employees, which could mean a lot of things, including additional scrutiny uh, of tax returns, could lead to more collection activity, could lead to more audits. But I don't think we can really be certain at this point what it's gonna mean. I don't know, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I agree with you there. The limited action the IRS has taken is trying to kind of hire some people to help with the phone calls because there was a recent report that the IRS had over a million phone calls go unanswered. So they hired a bunch of people to take those calls. But, you know, if you were just recently hired, do you really know the tax code? Well, one of the things that I know when I talk to my CPA each year and I'm having my taxes done, you know, there's questions about my business. And I always say, look, I just don't want to get audited. You know, just do it right. I don't want don't play games. Um, And and we want to talk today specifically about audits. And and let's just start with, you know, the the top level there. If, If. someone receives notification that an audit is going to be conducted. Is that, is that a bad thing? Does that mean they're in trouble or how, how do they get audited in the first place? Well, I, I, it's certainly not a good thing. I mean, no one wants to be audited. It, it requires you to spend time away from what your normal uh, activities are for the day. So uh, obviously it is not a good thing. Um, but I think the most important thing, when you file your return, you want to almost file it from the standpoint, you know, I'm going to assume I'm going to be audited. How am I going to handle this? Do I got the substantiation? Make sure I had the substantiation for those expenses. Put it aside. Keep it in a spot that you know where it's going to be. Almost kind of anticipate being audited. And if you do that, you know, if it if if it happens, you, well, you're going to be ready to go. And and Tim, I, I think we've talked in the past on some podcasts about this process. And I, if I recall, one of the things that came up was you always want to know how they were notified about a pending audit. Is that, is that an issue? And if so, why? Correct. Whether they received notice or if the IRS mailed it to a, not the current address of the taxpayer, but the government says the taxpayer is supposed to inform the IRS. 
but at the end of the day, if the IRS can't reach you and they make an assessment, uh, then there's limited steps you have to take to undo that assessment. But then also the notice will also tell you what kind of audit you're having, whether it's a correspondence audit, um, office uh, audit where you go to the IRS or where they're requesting to come in and see your uh, facility. And Ted, I want to go back to what you said about being prepared. It's great in theory. Not all of us do that. Um, so if, in fact, that notification does come that there will be an audit, what's the first step? How do you start to prepare? Well, I, I think the first thing you want to look at um, your return, get that return out, because you know at this point, it's been a, a couple of years probably since you last filed it. Get the return, review it identify uh, deductions that you may have taken um, and, and start anticipating the questions you're going to be asked of the IRS. I, in addition, I would recommend a taxpayer contact a professional, whether it's a CPA or an attorney, because, you know, you, you could have some serious problems if you aren't, you know, if you're not careful. I mean, there's a lot of traps there you got to be careful of. And and only with a, an expert helping you out can you kind of avoid those problems. And when we talk about audits um, and, and being prepared, having records, uh, is generally the IRS process the same, whether it's an individual or a business that's being audited? Yes, that they're looking at, you know, the tax return and is it supported? You know, is line item number 27 backed up by a check and an invoice saying that there's money's due. And, you know, the accountant can help, you know, on that. If it's a question of, is that truly an expense that should be categorized in that level, then, you know, our uh, uh, law firm can help in researching and saying why that course was taken. And, and you know, if I could jump in real quick, Jim, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, Another benefit of having a professional involved, you know, so we can try to have that audit if it's going to take place in person to get them to come to our office, our law office, not the place of business. I'm always a little worried if a uh, auditor wants to appear at the client's place of business because you, you lose control over what they're going to see, what they're going to observe. And are they going to draw other conclusions and going to enlarge the audit and, and look at the different issues that may not have been on the radar in the first place. So I try to get that audit to take place at my office here so I can kind of control the environment. Well, that's that's a great first step. And I wanted to ask both of you to talk a little bit more about why you need a profession. And again, it, it could be an attorney. It could be a, a CPA. Um, how are the ways or define for us the ways that those professionals are going to help in this process? Go ahead, take that, Tim. Oh, okay. Well, the accountant can help support uh those entries where a client may be like, well, you know, I gave all the paperwork to the accountant and I fielded a few questions from them. So the accountant may have the work papers to support and easily resolve the questions the IRS may have. Uh, if there's something more involved or complicated, then uh, you really don't want the taxpayer coming in there and trying to be friends with the auditor and saying, yeah, 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 agreeing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we seldom agree. We try to be agreeable, but not uh, agreeing to. We'll say, that's a good question. Let me get back, check with my client, and I'll get back to you. 
And I also add that, you know, the tax code is very complicated. There's mm-hmm. a lot of complicated deductions, a lot of particular requirements the taxpayer has to meet. Um, you know, these auditors, they, you know, obviously their job is trying to find ways to increase the uh, amount of tax due to the, to the government. And, you know, if, if you don't have a professional defending yourself who's well-versed in the tax laws and the Internal Revenue Code, uh, you may be taken advantage of. I'm, I'm not going to say that the IRS is going to be unethical, but there's a lot of uh, provisions in the code where there, there's a lot of gray in there. Well, let me and, put uh, that. Well, go ahead, Tim. Go oh, ahead. Okay. Follow up on uh, what Ted just said and also your initial question. Is it a good thing that you got a notice of an audit? Well, if the IRS starts making changes, you know, the audit can expand into more areas or uh, you'll be invited back for an audit next year and the subsequent year, because if they feel that your uh, record keeping is inadequate, uh, it's not a one and done it mm-hmm. can be year after year. And the way I was going to phrase that, I understood what both, both of you were trying to say, but um, if I hire a, a plumber to come to my house, um, you know, we've all had the experience, some are better than others, right? And sometimes they come out and Things don't get fixed the first time. Is it safe to say, especially if there's new uh, IRS agents being hired, that some are better than others? And uh, is it just another great reason to have one of you on hand because they just might not be as good as another one in in terms of how they conduct the audit? Absolutely. And I think uh, having a professional on your side is going to give credibility. It's going to send a message to the revenue officer that they can't, you know, bully and overwhelm the taxpayer into accepting some sort of you know, uh, assessment that's not fair or maybe excessive. I mean, having a, a tax lawyer on your side, the IRS, I think, is going to be more reasonable with the taxpayer. And and is one of the things you can do, is it possible when you get a notice of, of an audit to ask for a longer period? Can, can you, I don't want to say delay, but if there's a certain time period set, can you say, hey, there's more here we need to do. Can we extend that time or is that always going to be fixed? No, the uh, the initial contact date is uh, subject to being moved around a little bit, um, uh, not excessively by, you know, months and months and months, you know, but if uh, schedules are such that, you know, it's going to be more fruitful to postpone it three weeks to get records and back up and have access to uh, the people who are most familiar with the return, the IRS will typically grant you one and limit it to one extension. Otherwise, they're going to start plowing forward because mm-hmm. they have a large volume of cases and have to, you know, make a decision and move a file. And and I, I want to talk about that process. I want to talk about what they're looking at. But let's just conclude the portion here where we talk about why it's important to have a professional and look at the other side. But I mentioned earlier that there are some companies out there, just businesses who represent themselves as, as uh, being able to assist you with tax issues. What can you tell us about the reality of, of some of those commercials we hear about? Uh, I think you got to be careful. Uh, a lot of those uh, companies, they may ask for a very large upfront payment to, to get them involved. And once they receive that payment, the, the taxpayer has a hard time getting them to do what they promised. 
Uh, also, part of the problem is a lot of these companies are from out of state. So when you're having a problem with one of them, it's more difficult to get uh, an attorney to go after them or even the attorney general in the state of Illinois to go after them. So I think you always have to be a little bit suspicious of out-of-state companies trying to help a taxpayer. I don't know. what Tim, I, I, you had experience with them as well? Yeah, not so much in the audit, but in the collection front, they are uh, notorious uh, to cause problems for a taxpayer because they ask for that large retainer, do nothing. And then on the collection front, the IRS sees it as a stalling tactic. So you've got, you know, one strike for having a balance due, two strikes for hiring these professionals that just delay and do nothing. So then, you know, you've got a, a real problem once it resurfaces. Even if we hire the right professional, you, we mentioned either attorneys or CPAs. Um, I believe this process goes through a separate court. There's a separate tax court. Um, so are there only certain individuals that can navigate that system? Yeah. I mean, if you go through the audit process, you're going to exchange the documentation. You're going to substantiate your position that you took on your returns. The IRS is going to review it. And sometimes the IRS doesn't agree with the taxpayer. And in those situations, they may issue what is known as a notice of deficiency. Uh, that's what the IRS is saying, that we believe that there's a deficiency in the tax that was reported on your tax return. Now, now it's very important when that notice of deficiency is issued the taxpayers seek the legal advice from an attorney right away because it's a statutory time period to file a petition with tax court and only attorneys are licensed to practice within the tax court. So, so that is a statutory deadline and it's, and it's, you need to get to an attorney right away. And, and when the IRS, let's talk about the process, when the IRS does show up or you said in some cases it might be done over the phone, the interview and the review take place, is it specific to the year that they of, of a specific return, or are they going to go back some? Uh, typically, it's a year or two. Audits may go back as far as three years. Uh, there's reasons why it may be beyond that, but those are kind of exceptional. So it's typically three years in the audit cycle, and uh, that's why that extension for time to respond is somewhat limited, because if it's three years ago, they could uh, blow the statute. So yeah, the statute of limitations, the IRS has three years from the date the return is filed to you know, assess more taxes, unless they can demonstrate that there's some sort of active fraud being perpetrated by the taxpayer, which is which is difficult for them to do. But mm -hmm. that's where that three-year period comes into play. Okay. Now, in terms of the process, I, I know this question, I, um, it frequently, when I throw things at you guys, the answer is it depends, and I assume that's the case here. But um, is this a lengthy process? Uh, an audit? Does it um, depend on the size of the business if it's a business, or the the uh, deficiency if it's an individual taxpayer? What, what should someone expect that it's going to take in terms of calendar time for them? Well, you stole my answer. <laughs> you know, if it's a question on. Uh, uh, an audit of travel or meals and entertainment and this and that, and you've got all the paperwork, you know, all papered up and stuff. It could be in and out in 60, 90 days. If you're doing a whole tax return, all the schedules for three calendar years, it could be uh, quite time consuming. 
Yeah, I mean, as, as companies are larger, you can imagine there's many, many more expenses that they claim as deductions. And the more expenses you have, there's just more potential issues there. You know, the, the IRS, the auditor is going to go through the expenses and they may ask for substantiation. And, and so that way you can get a little bit more uh, extensive for a business. So let's let's turn to the process as it proceeds, what are the possible outcomes? What, uh, what's going to happen at the end of an audit? Is there one, two, three different outcomes? Essentially, the auditor could make a no change and uh, you just move on and hope that you're not going to be called on again for an audit, but at no change, uh, it's less likely you'll be back in the audit cycle. Uh, there could be a limited uh, change that, you know, they pick 10 items to look at, Eight of the 10 were supported, the other two weren't, um, and you either agree or disagree on those remaining two, or, uh, you know, 20 items were picked and one was supported, so then you're likely going to go to tax court or some other uh, avenue. And let me also add, too, that you have a right to appeals, appeals within the IRS. So you're dealing with, initially, the auditor who's assigned to the taxpayer and you're going to substantiate your position with them, and you may not agree with them. They may uh, want to disallow something, and you may not agree with them. So the taxpayer can always try to, or can file a, uh, have the matter sent to IRS appeals. Not always successful, but at least you mm -hmm. get a second part, of, a second group of people looking at these issues, and they, they may have a different perspective. Um, and uh, in upcoming episodes in our series here, we're going to talk about um, the ability to pay or the ability to, the lack of ability to pay and what that means. But um, if one of the outcomes is that there is a deficiency, is it just uh, amount due or are we talking about fines and penalties as well? It will be uh, the tax due plus interest from the original due date of the uh, tax return. And depending upon the adjustment, uh, penalties can uh, range uh, from small to large. Um, and, and Ted, you mentioned appealing through the IRS. You mentioned going to tax court where there is a disagreement. Um, I've heard audit reconsideration. Is that what we're talking about there? Or is that a different term? Yeah, audit reconsideration is uh, something a little bit different. I don't know, Tim, do you want to talk about audit reconsideration? Yeah, that's where... Um, it's uh, somewhat limited purpose yeah, when we mention uh, the address that if you didn't get notice of the audit, they made an assessment and you've got paperwork to refute the changes made, you can do an audit reconsideration or um, um, uh, that what the IRS prepares in that case is, uh, or if you didn't prepare a return and did a substitute for return, that's another way of kind of getting the uh, numbers re-looked at. And uh, again, you need more documentation than what was originally presented or some But the key other. there, Jim, is auto reconsideration is when the taxpayer hasn't already presented their position, their substantiation versus an audit and going mm -hmm. to appeals is where the taxpayer has had an opportunity presented the substantiation, and you want to get a second opinion on it from someone else within the IRS. That's the best it. way to describe it. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess my final question for today then, i um, not sure how I heard this earlier, but if you are audited 
uh, regardless of the outcome. Does that raise your profile? And would you expect uh, to be audited again in the future? Or is it a purely chance? If you had a uh, large adjustment, I think you're inviting the IRS to come back. If mm -hmm. it was a no change, it's not absolute that you are going to be audit free for the rest of your life. But you know, there was no change. Your books and records seem sufficient. So the IRS, I believe, audits about 0.3% of case or of tax returns filed. And about 75% of that 0.3% is correspondence, meaning through the mail. So, you know, actually seeing a IRS auditor is very seldom done. But again, if facts and circumstances warrant it, then my answer can be it depends. <laughs> Perfect. Great way to wrap it up. Listen, I, I know people are going to want to follow up. We've got more episodes coming up, but someone's interest has peaked here. They need to talk to one of you. What's the best way to get a hold of Lavelle Law? 847-705-7555 is our main number, or you can uh, you know find us online at lavellelaw.com. Well, perfect. Ted McGinn, thanks for being here. Timothy Hughes, we appreciate your time. Looking forward to talking to you guys in the next couple of weeks as we continue the series. And we'll talk about tax debt, uh, bankruptcy, and some other things coming up. So thanks very much. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right, Jim. Thanks. Thanks, Jim.